today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. You know, quite often when we find ourselves in a difficult situation, what's our prayer? Get us out of this situation. Deliver me from this. You know, get my feet on solid ground. Well, he could do that, or he could strengthen you so you can stand in that situation. Right? And Paul is saying here, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Jesus will strengthen you. Jesus will make you content. No matter how many possessions we have, there's always room for more. It's human nature to want more and more. But what do we do when it starts to take over our lives? Do we embrace a life of worldly pursuits? Or should we leave it all behind? Today in his message, Pastor Dan wants you to know that no matter how alluring or how logical they may seem, the world's ideals will always fail. When you leave this earth, nothing is coming with you. Invest in what matters most, eternity with Jesus. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Genesis chapter 3 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. So the serpent has already talked to Eve and deceived her. And look at chapter 3, verse 6. Look what it says. So when the woman saw with her eyes that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. And the Hebrew there indicates the husband, Adam, is just standing right there watching this whole thing go down. He doesn't say anything. He doesn't intervene. So when Eve saw that the tree was good for food, the lust of the flesh, I bet you that food's tasty. I bet you that would taste good to eat that fruit, the lust of the flesh, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, the lust of the eyes. And desirable to make one wise, the pride of life. It's going to make me wise. It's going to make me like God. I'll be more like God if I do this. She took of its fruit and she ate. Now, turn with me over to Joshua. Actually, go to Numbers chapter 32 first. Numbers 32. You're in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Numbers 32. This is when the children of Israel are still under the leadership of Moses. They're in the wilderness, and they're approaching the promised land to enter the promised land. And they are uh, just east of the Jordan River, just east of the promised land. In fact, in my Bible, the, the heading says, the tribes settling east of the Jordan. So they're just outside of the promised land. They're right there. They're right up to the edge of the Jordan. We just got to cross the Jordan, and we're in. The land of flowing with milk and honey. And you've got these two and a half tribes that decide just east of the Jordan, just east of the promised land, we're going to stay here. We don't want to go into the promised land. Look at verse 1. Now the children of Reuben and the children of Gad were told later, and half the tribe of Manasseh, 
So Reuben, Gad, half the tribe of Manasseh, had a very great multitude of livestock. And when they saw the land of Jazer and the land of Gilead, that's the Golan Heights today, just outside of, uh, just east of the Jordan River, that indeed the region was a place for livestock. The children of Gad and the children of Reuben came and spoke to Moses, to Eleazar the priest, and to the leaders of the congregation, saying, verse 3 has a bunch of names we're not going to try to pronounce, verse 4, the country which the Lord defeated before the congregation of Israel is a land for livestock, and we have livestock. Therefore, they said, if we have found favor in your sight, let this land be given to your servants as a possession. Do not take us over the Jordan. So they say, hey, we don't want to go into the land that God has for us. We don't want the land flowing with milk and honey. We've got livestock. This is a wonderful land for livestock. This is perfect for livestock. We'd rather just settle. In the margin of your Bible, next to chapter 32, write the word settle. They settled for something less than the promised land. They settled for something that was outside of God's promised land. They were unwilling to enter the promised land. They settled outside the promised land because they thought this land is perfect for our livestock and we raise livestock. Uh, To put it in today's terms, they said this would be better for our business or this would be better for our career if we live here instead of over there in the promised land. And we'd rather stay here because it's going to be better for our career. And better for our livestock instead of going over the Jordan and entering into the land that God has for us. And listen, please hear me. People make that same decision today. Christians make that decision. Well, this is good for my career. Or this is a big promotion. Or this is a lot more money. And they settle sometimes, not every time, but they settle sometimes really outside of God's will for them. And they're making the decision solely based on the career or the finances or because it looks good to them and they don't give any consideration to what will this, how will this affect my life spiritually? How will this affect my family spiritually? Is this what God has for me spiritually? Is this what God has for my family spiritually? And, and sometimes I will talk to people and, hey, we're moving. I got a job offer. It's an amazing job offer. We're going to be moving to the you know, middle of nowhere, Iowa. Um, and, man, I'm so excited about this. And I, I, I will say, have you, have, did you check out any churches there? Oh, yeah, I saw some churches there. Or even, oh, yeah, there's a Calvary Chapel there. That doesn't mean anything anymore. Right? And it, it's all the, like all that's going to fall into place. But man, this is a great opportunity for my career. I've got livestock and that's a land for livestock. And they end up outside of God's promised land, so to speak. Historically, this area here in Numbers 32, that, that region where Gad and Reuben and half the tribe of Manasseh settled just east of the Jordan River, uh, it became a center of idolatry. They worshipped bulls there, calves there. Right? Psalm 22 talks about the bulls of Bashan have surrounded me when Jesus is on the cross. 
historically, when empires like the Assyrian Empire marched through that region, Gad, Reuben, half the tribe of Manasseh, guess what? They're the first ones conquered. They're the first ones taken into captivity because they're outside the land. They're outside the promised land. And so you have an example here of of, of people that are coveting the land because it's good for their livestock, but they're not really seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. They're seeking first their own kingdom and their own prosperity over what God has for them. Go with me to 2 Samuel chapter 11. This is a very famous example. You probably know this example. When you think of David, probably two things come to mind with David. Killing a giant. And what's the other one? Bathsheba, right? 2 Samuel chapter 11. Verse 1. And it happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go out to battle that David sent Joab, his general, and his servants with him and all Israel. And they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. Stop right there. It is the springtime when kings go out to battle. David doesn't go out to battle. He should be out on the battlefield. If he were out on the battlefield where he's supposed to be, chapter 11 and the whole deal with Bathsheba would have never happened. He's not in the right place where kings are supposed to be. Instead, he sends his general out, he sends his army out, and he just stays behind in Jerusalem. We can protect ourselves from so much sin by just being where we're supposed to be. Being in the house of God, being in the word of God, being in prayer will keep us from sin. David's not where he's supposed to be. So then it happened. Look at verse 2. Then it happened one evening. Look what it says, that David arose from his bed. The guy's asleep in the evening. What does he do? He's just now getting out of bed? It's evening time. He gets out of bed, and he walked on the roof of the king's house. They had flat roofs. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful to behold. Lust of the eyes. Lust of the flesh. Look at verse 3. And David sent and inquired about the woman. Now David is a married man. He's got no business inquiring about a woman. At all. But he covets her. Because of her beauty. He sent and inquired about the woman, and someone said, look at, look at what the answer is. Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? David, she's married. That's what this person says to King David. Ah, uh, David, she's married. She's out of bounds. Oh, and by the way, David, you're married, but you're the king, I'm not going to say that to you. But you, you know, but... That's Uriah's wife. Now, Uriah is one of David's mighty men. Uriah is willing to lay down his life for King David. And so not only is she married, she's married to one of David's mighty men. And that should, you know, 
that should be the end of it. Verse 3 should be the end of it. We should have never even gotten to verse 3 because he's a married man. He shouldn't have even been looking or inquiring about her. But now, now that he knows that she's also married and married to Uriah, one of his own men that will lay down his life for him, it should be over. We'll return to Pastor Dan's message in just a moment. First, Pastor Dan would like to tell you about the new Calvary Chapel Ellicott City app. We recently launched an app for our church and we're really excited about it. It's designed to keep you connected to our radio ministry, Ring of Truth, as well as to our church, Calvary Chapel. And get this, we have over 1,200 sermons on the app. The app is super convenient, it's easy to use, and allows you to listen to Bible studies anytime, anywhere. So download the app right now, search for Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in your app store, or just follow the links on our website at calvaryec.com. What a great way to stay connected to Scripture. Now, back to today's message on Ring of Truth. Verse 4, But David sent messengers to her, and he took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her. For she was cleansed from her impurity, and she returned to her house. And the woman conceived. So she sent and told David and said, I'm with child. And so David's covetousness leads to adultery. She'll not commit adultery. It leads to an unexpected pregnancy. And David, as the story goes on, as you probably know, uh, David arranges for Uriah to be killed in battle, the husband of Bathsheba, so that uh, David now is, is you know, committing murder. Remember, I told you covetousness is the tenth commandment because covetousness can cause us to break the other nine commandments. And with this, because he covets, he commits adultery on his wife, he commits adultery with Bathsheba, she commits adultery on her husband, and he arranges for the murder of her husband. And he bears false witness in all of this because he, he then will take Bathsheba to be his own wife and, and raise the child that's born as his own, as if he's doing this, you know, this, this kind, gracious thing to the widow of one of his mighty men. And he's lying. And he's bearing false witness. And so, you know, this is David. He's a man after God's own heart. He's the sweet psalmist of Israel. But he's not where he's supposed to be. And he, he gets himself in this situation where he's coveting. And it leads to all of these other commandments being broken. So let's, let's turn now to 1 Timothy chapter 6. There's many, many other examples in the Bible that we could look at uh, that we don't for the sake of time. Uh, that we're not going to. But 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. And I want to show you here, just in our remaining time before we finish up, I, I want to show you uh, the antidote for covetousness. There is an antidote in the Bible for covetousness. And the antidote for covetousness is contentment. Contentment. First Timothy chapter six, verse six. First Timothy chapter six, verse six. Now godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment 
is great gain. If you're godly and you're content with what you have and what God has given you, you'll have great gain. The phrase great gain means wealth. You'll be rich. You are a rich person if you are godly and content with what you have. The word contentment, it means being satisfied with what you have. Being satisfied with what you have. Not not wanting more, not wanting uh, something else, something better, something newer, something different. Just being satisfied with, with what you have. Contentment is the opposite of covetousness. Just being satisfied with what God has provided for you and grateful for it. Look what he says in verse 7. For we brought nothing into this world. And it is certain we will carry nothing out. You came into this world with nothing. You're going to go out of this world with nothing. And having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. If your basic needs have been met by the Lord and provided for, be content. But those, verse 9, verse 9 says, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. Those who desire to be rich, they covet riches. They covet being rich. He tells us, man, that can lead you into all kinds of temptations, all kinds of pitfalls you can fall into, all kind of foolish things and harmful things that you'll seek after that will just drown you in destruction and perdition. Now look what he says in verse 10. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. He doesn't say money is a root of all kinds of evil, but the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Being being wealthy is not ungodly. Having money is not ungodly. The love of money, the desire for money, the lust for money and wealth, that's the root of all kinds of, of evil from, for which some have strayed from the faith and their greediness. They're, they're so, uh, they covet money to the point that they've actually strayed away from Jesus Christ pursuing their greediness. And they have pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Be satisfied with what God has provided for you. Be satisfied with what God has provided for you. Again, if he's made you wealthy, praise the Lord. But don't covet wealth. Don't lust after wealth. Because that will get you in a mess. Be satisfied with what God has provided for you. You need to pray and ask God to give you contentment. You need to pray and ask God to give you contentment with what you do have and what he has given you. One last passage for us and then we'll close. Turn over to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Verse 11. Philippians 4.11. Paul speaking. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am, To be content. Can we say the same thing? 
I have learned in whatever state I'm in to be content. I, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. I, I, I know what it's like to get, have nothing. And I know what it's like to have abundance. Everywhere in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Look at verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now that's a verse that people like to quote, isn't it? But the context is contentment. Right? We, you know, we're, we quote that verse for like, you know, Climbing mountains and conquering great things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Can you be content with what you have? Because that's the context. I I can do all things through, and the key here is through Christ. Through Christ who strengthens me. You know, what Paul's describing here isn't easy peasy. Being abased, you know, to go hungry, to suffer need. That's That's not easy. There's pain involved in that. There's hardship involved in that. He's not denying that. But I can do all things through Christ. If, if this is what God has for me, if God wants me to suffer through this, whatever that may be, if God wants me to be abased in this, if he wants me to be hungry in this, well, uh, I can do all things through Christ. I can't do it through myself. I don't have the power, the strength, or the ability within myself to do this, but I can do it through Christ. I can get my strength from him. He can strengthen me. You know, quite often when we find ourselves in a difficult situation, what's our prayer? Get us out of this situation. Deliver me from this. You know, get my feet on solid ground. Well, he could do that, or he could strengthen you so you can stand in that situation. Right? And Paul is saying here, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Jesus will strengthen you. Jesus will make you content. And so if you feel, you know, bitterness in your heart, resentment in your heart, you turn to Jesus Christ and you say, Lord, I I know I'm not supposed to covet. I know I'm supposed to be content, but I'm not content, kind of angry, kind of bitter. I'm kind of disappointed. And Lord, will you change my heart? Will you give me contentment in my circumstances? Will you be my strength? Will you be my joy and give it to me? Because I don't have it. Now, that's for Christians. If you're not a Christian, you need to start by turning to Jesus Christ for salvation and the forgiveness of your sins. You need to be born again, Jesus said. Once you're born again, then you can turn to him for contentment, and you can ask him, take away the bitterness, take away the anger, take away the disappointment, take away the resentment that I feel in my heart, and give me joy and give me peace in its place. Me, how I know, and I say, bring truer than the finest crystal. Thank you for making Ring of Truth a part of your day today. 
Tuning out the world and tuning into Scripture gives life a whole new meaning. While the Word of God may feel like a whole bunch of do's and don'ts, it also offers love, grace, mercy, and forgiveness that only Jesus can give. Pastor Dan Sexton has been teaching through a series that ultimately sets parameters and safeguards for those who choose to follow Jesus. Did we pique your curiosity? We hope so. If you'd like to hear more from Pastor Dan Sexton, please visit our website, calvaryec.com. There are loads more messages for you to listen to. Find out more about Ring of Truth and the church behind it while you're there. The About tab at the top of the page will fill you in. If you enjoy connecting through social media, then don't forget about our podcast. It can be found on iTunes as well. In addition, you can find us on Facebook. Are you a part of a church? If not, we invite you to join ours. Sunday service times can be found at calvaryec.com. We'd love to meet you and worship Jesus together. Our live stream is available for those of you not close enough to attend in person. We believe that time spent in God's Word is time well spent. There are numerous other ways to get involved with what's happening here at Ring of Truth, such as, well, why don't you just see for yourself under the Serve tab at calvaryec.com. We're out of time for today, but thanks for listening to Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that cry.